I walked through the miracle of the healing at the Pool of Bethesda this morning. One thing I want to note in regard to healing, you know, it's, it's really a dynamic thing when it happens within a church. Um, one of the things that um, was a result, Charlie shared the story of, of going out to Bethel. He and Mary uh, had prayed for some people. I think Mary at that point had actually seen more people healed. But when they came back, um, there was a bona fide gift on them. Charlie in particular, and that spread out into the rest of the congregation from that trip to Bethel. And uh, we had many, many people be healed in those days. Uh, and it's not as if we don't have any now, but it's not in that same measure. And I guess there's a hunger in us saying we'd like to see that again. You don't buy those things, but at the same time, you put yourself in position and allow the Lord to do what He will. And He's generous and gracious, and so oftentimes this, that happens. And so um, as I walk through this, I, I'm going to, just in regard to healing, uh, healing's not the cure-all, right? Because it's temporal. It's this lifetime. And, and so even though you may receive a healing, uh, you still <laughs> at some point will die except that the Lord comes. And the real investment of our lives should be in the eternal. But it sure does help along the way to have some of that happen, you know. And so it's wonderful to see. So what I want to do is kind of address what goes on in this. And uh, it says, in John chapter 5, it says, Jesus went to Jerusalem for another Jewish festival. In the city near the Sheep Gate was a pool with five porches, and its Hebrew's name the name was Bethesda. Many sick, blind, lame, and crippled people were there lying close to the pool. And the heritage of this pool is that when the water was stirred, they, they assumed that was an angelic thing, and people would be healed. And that was the, the history, so to speak. And uh, I like that because... <laughs> They were at the water's edge. No. <laughs> I know, I stretched it. But, uh, well, part of, part of the task of this church is to introduce people not only to who God is, but to relationship with God and to have encounters with Him. That's, that's part of what He stamped us with. And so it's not just taking the head knowledge and saying, okay, I believe there's a God but it's moving it into application where it actually, where there's interaction between each of us with the Lord. And uh, that said, um, Jesus goes to this man and he says, do you want to be healed? Which is crazy. 38 years crippled, he's laying by the pool, you know, do you want to be healed? Um, yeah, um, I'd like that. But he also, this man makes a statement, it can't happen because I'm not quick enough to get into the water. And uh, I guess when I was chewing on that this week, I'm going, this man believed in God. Do you believe in God? Okay. 
this man believed in the miraculous. Question, do you believe in the miraculous? Okay. Um, this man had a measure of hope because he's sitting there at a place where people get healed, right? Do you have hope? Um, this man believed that there was local expression of the power of God in healing. You have belief that way? The only thing he didn't believe was that God necessarily was willing or wanting to heal him. So the question is, is there something in your life that you would say, you know, God touches people around, he's healed me before, he's done things for me, but do I believe that he would invest himself into me at this, this thing? Because, you know, later on we're going to see that that Jesus sends the man off after the healing, and the guy doesn't even know who he is. So it's not about Jesus establishing his identity, so to speak, or, or bringing a claim to himself. It appears that this is almost just an aside out of the graciousness of God. And what we have to understand is that God has always been gracious. He's always been loving. He's always been investing. The purpose of sending his son to earth was to interact with us and to let us know that he is willing to do that in our lives. So, okay, Jesus just tells him, pick up your mat and walk. The man was healed. Well, that happened outside the man's box, so to speak, right? He did not expect healing that day. He did not expect it to come through this source, but it happened. Now you, we're going to see some others that are seeing Jesus in a light that they just do not anticipate being from God. And so it was on the Sabbath when he's healed, and the Jewish leaders saw the man carrying his mat, and they're going, this is the Sabbath. No one's allowed to carry a mat on the Sabbath. So their interpretation of the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, their interpretation is, you shouldn't even be carrying a bed mat. What's the matter with you? Aren't you religious? Don't you love God? You know, and, and what's opening up to us in this story is that there are times when even our religious rules get in the way of our relationship with God. There are times when our religious forms our interpretation of our understanding of who God is and how he works at times shuts down the very thing that God is wanting to do in our lives. And so, you know, it's like this thing of knowing the judgment of God, knowing that he doesn't embrace sin, to being unable to say he really does forgive and want joy as a part of my life. So when, when we're looking at this story, these men are confronting him. They think they're doing the right thing. So the man, later on, he, he finds out who Jesus is, or Jesus sees him again. 
And he says, you're now well, but don't sin anymore or something worse might happen to you. So Jesus doesn't abandon the idea of dealing with sin, but still at the same time, the graciousness of his life wants to involve himself with sinful humanity. He wants to free us from our sin. He wants to free us from the ills that are a part of our life, so to speak. Um, I, I, this, this story, or this particular translation, the way it comes across, begs me to ask, okay, was it sin that caused this to happen 38 years ago? You know, did he get in a fight and get crippled? Uh, doesn't say. It just, it's one of those things. I start looking at it and going, okay, if Jesus is telling them something worse could happen if you continue in sin, you know, what, what was going on? I don't know. But I, this draws me to something, and I, I want to take a bit of an aside. Um, some people are able to pray for others, like for healing, and just bypass everything connected to it and just say, God, we want this to happen, and, and have a faith for that. And, and there is a gift of healing. I, I know that. I'm a person that tends to see gray. <laughs> Shades. You know, I, I, does God really want to heal this person? Would this be the best thing in their life to have healing right now? You know, and I start walking through all these questions. Uh, some years ago, I read a book by a man named Francis McNutt. He's a, he was a Catholic theologian, became Episcopal for a while. I think he's embraced by the Catholic Church again. I'm not positive. But I adapted some of his teaching, and this is one of the processes I walk through when I'm praying for people, even particularly in regard to healing. And it's, is there sin? sorrow, sickness, or Satan, things that need to be addressed in regard to healing so that it can ha take place. And so often if, if somebody comes up and they want prayer for healing, I, I begin asking the Lord, are there, issue, are there other situations here that need to be addressed? Um, let's take, for instance, somebody comes up and says, I've been wrestling with depression constantly. I'd like to be healed of that. And in my heart, I might be going, okay, is there guilt for sin or shame accompanying that or a fear of exposure or such that is allowing depression to rest on this person? That would be a sin issue, right? Or when I, when I say sorrow, I'm looking and saying, is there something tied emotionally to their past, you know, an incident that is still unresolved, so to speak, where maybe there's a bitterness or a, a, just a, a sorrow connected to that that has yet to, to be taken care of? Does God need to reveal that incident and say, there's healing out of this incident for you? When Charlie mentioned what was going on, I was having experiences from when I was five, six, seven years old, things that hadn't worked out the way that I thought they should, and it was like the Lord was rebuilding those memories for me, saying, this is why this happened. Now, 
I long time let those go, but I've obviously hadn't completely forgotten them because they came back to the surface. And I did not anticipate that happening, but there's a joy that says, God cares even about those things that have, are long past. So in praying for somebody, that, again, like with this umbrella of depression, is there a, an incident you know, where maybe you were mistreated or sinned upon by someone that needs to be to find healing in the Lord. And so that sin, sorrow, sickness, maybe there is, there is something physically that's wrong that needs to change. You're going to laugh at this, but... So Shar and I got a smartphone. We're the last people we know to get one, but we finally broke down. Yeah, <laughs> we can turn it on. Uh, <laughs> and it looks like we know what we're doing, almost. <laughs> I haven't showed her the games yet. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> Facebook's bad enough. Uh, she, Shark came to me this week and said, I've had a sore neck this week. And I'm going, on your left side? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had that too. <laughs> How many know if you hold that thing too long <laughs> in the same position, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> well... We figured out how to get healing. <laughs> That's simplified. But you understand my point, that you may have to address some physical things as a part of, of this healing, but God reveals those things as well. And the, other, the other issue is that we are in an eternal conflict with Satan. And at times, he does put an oppression over our lives. And that needs to be broken off. And so when, you know, when we stand and pray and we're looking, let's say, at this general topic of depression, it may be that one of those things may need to be dealt with. It may be that God's just saying, no, for my glory, I'm going to do this right now. It's going to be gone. We don't necessarily know, but we have the right to pray into those things. And often he'll reveal that. So as long as I'm here, Father, if there are individuals that have been wrestling with depression in recent days, we ask for their freedom even in this moment. We ask that if there are other attachments connected to this as sin or sorrow or sickness or Satan, we ask that those would be broken or revealed, whatever it needs to take place for freedom to, to take place even in this moment. The joy might be a part of this life. Amen. It can be this simple because of the power of our God. And he does free us from such things.
What an incredible thing. It's, it's taking not just the story, and it's not saying that it just happens locally, but it's allowing it to happen to me as well. Right? It's not, it's not just the book, and it's not just what others have done. It's not just the history, but it's what does God say? What does he want to do in this situation? Depression's not a spiritual gift, by the way. Okay? So I don't think you have to just say, well, that's what God wants for my life. I'm not buying that. Okay. So the man goes back and talks to the leaders, and they started making a lot of trouble for Jesus, it says. Um, He says, my father's never stopped working. That's why I keep on working. So Jesus even goes back to a bigger principle of the Sabbath and saying, well, God's continuing to work, so there are times when it's completely appropriate. Leaders wanted to kill Jesus over it because he'd broken the law and he had said that God was his father that made him equal with God. Now here, we recognize him as the son of God, but we also call ourselves sons and daughters of God per the scripture, right? We acknowledge that we've been made in the image of God and because God wanted relationship with us and wasn't making pets, but was making family for himself, that he decided to make us in his image, stamp us different than the rest of creation. So when we, when we step into this thing of saying he wants relationship with us, we're not taking a leap that just says, Oh, you know, it's just too wonderful to think about, but that's the the terms that the Bible uses. No, this is reality. This is what he's he's called us to. And and so when we see the, the very work of Jesus on earth, and we're saying, this is what the Father embraces in heaven, and so this is what the Son has seen him doing, and so this is what the Son is doing on earth, This is what's opened up as a door to us as well because we are called the sons and daughters of Him. We we have been brought in by adoption. And so we have this privilege of stepping into something that goes way beyond what we've anticipated, but is still a beautiful thing for our lives. He goes on and says, Son can't do anything on his own, only what he sees the Father doing. And he goes on to say, the son will give life to anyone he chooses. Um, I'm going to skip portions of this chapter, so slide guy, I'm sorry, whoever you are today. Um, you probably already have it shut off. I don't, <laughs> I, I never, I don't ever look back because it could be scary <laughs> or distracting for one of us. Um, but Jesus does make a comment in chapter 5, verse 30, he says, I don't just try to please myself. 
says, I'm not, this isn't about me. This is about me doing what the Father does. You know, if it was just about him trying to gather attention, he could have had the blind guy there and, you know, and when he finds out who it was, and Jesus could have been, oh, shucks, you know, just, uh, it's just one of these things that I do in the Lord, you know. And, you know, he could have been pulling all that to himself. Just like is our temptation if something really good happens through our life, you know. Well, every now and then I get this, you know, just this little word, you know. But it's, you know, it's feeding that ego. And Jesus is going, no, I'm not in it for that. It's not about me. But what he, what he goes on and talks to the religious leaders and he says, you sent people to John the Baptist and he told you he was a light. In other words, the prophet came, prophesied, and, and you know, you didn't really embrace that. Then he goes on to say in verses 39-40, you search the scriptures think intently, thinking that through them you're saved. In other words, you have the scripture in front of you, and somehow you think that's where it's at. The scripture is to reveal Christ, to reveal his Holy Spirit, to reveal the Father. The scripture isn't there on its own merit. It's to reveal who God is. He says, so all this study, you, you don't just make it the, the sole end, but it's got to take you somewhere. And finally, he goes back and even addresses the thing. You've relied on Moses, but Moses is the one who will condemn you because this is not the right interpretation of Moses. And so I guess, you know, in walking through this, you see a man who is at the pool who has has the understanding of God and has the understanding that it could happen to him even, but there's not a faith there. But God has God intervenes on his behalf even though he doesn't have the faith. That's what I love. You know, God intervenes for him even though he doesn't believe it's possible. How many times can we point back in our lives and say, you know what, I... I believe God, but I did not really have any confidence what was going to happen here, and yet I know that his hand was on me. In the same way, then, the religious leaders who should have spotted God didn't. You know, even though they had been looking and even though they were following rules and even though they, you know, were, were attempting to... they just did not put it together. And so the question comes, are we willing to listen and trust the generosity of God to affect our lives today and be willing to speak to us and to intervene in our situations? Or are we just going to treat it as the book and say it's nice that some people get God to talk to them, or it's good that um, he's moved in the past, good to be a part of a church that has some history of the Lord, are we going to press in until we know that he's speaking into our hearts as well? Thank you for your scripture. Thank you for this healing 
miracle at the water's edge. We ask that in our day, we would see your hand as well. We ask that faith would rise in our hearts as we read these stories, not just to say you were good in the past, but you're good now. And Lord, then for each individual situation here, whether it be physical healing, whether it be employment, whether it be finance, whether it be relationships, whatever is needful of change, we ask that we would see your hand step into those situations. We honor you with our lives and trust you for that. One of the things that um, I guess in our leadership we've been acknowledging is that um, our privilege in working with college kids is that there are a lot of coming in and then they're going out. And so we have to rediscover some of these things that we've been walking through. The truth is that a lot of these young married couples were participant in a powerful work of God while they were college students. And so we're going to give you stories of days past, but it's only with the intent that you discover it for yourself. It's not about just reliving, but it's re- <laughs> participating. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was reminded of, of Dan Grilly's uh, healing we were running up to Houghton. Dan was playing hockey up there, and we were doing services. Now, how many know a, a hockey player dislocates his shoulder is probably not such a good place? So his, his shoulder's dislocated. God heals him of the pain, does not heal the dislocation, right? And so for months, he's playing with a dislocated shoulder, and he goes to the doctor, what are you doing for pain? Nothing. No, what, what are you doing for the pain? nothing the pain was gone now the why didn't he just heal the shoulder completely I don't understand I, I, I don't know but that was one of you know that's just one incident right and you know there are there are many many things like that that we can point to and so that's great that's great that that happened but what we want is for we want it now. Yesterday's gone. <laughs> Today's here. So, Lord, we ask and we just, we declare that we're going to put ourselves in front of you and acknowledge that this is meant to be a part of our lives as well in this day. God, I ask your blessing that rests on each one here. I ask again that they would know your favor in a way that they didn't dream possible. Let your spirit rest on this house, these people. Open up the doors to renewed relationship in you. Be exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day remains is open-ended in worship. It's building again. I can sense it. I just know that over the last months it's happening. It's it's beginning. And I encourage you 
Take your time in the Lord. Let him do what he wants to do. That's all I can advise you.